Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Shows about your calls. We go right to them. We'll start with Tony in California. Tony, you're on Free Talk Live. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Tony? Hey, I was just listening to uh, to your conversation with Scott, but I don't think I heard the whole thing. It's on the podcast. But he started talking about uh, Zionists and anti-Semitics, and so I wanted to make a comment about that. I don't think he, I don't think he brushed on this point, and I only know a little bit about this stuff. But apparently, the thing with the Zionists is that uh, these are descendants from the Khazars, and so uh, so you've got you've got a You've got some kind of difference there between uh, Jews that lived in Israel 2,000 years ago and the ones that converted to Judaism in around year 800 or something like that. So there's some background to that. Okay, I'm not really sure if that's relevant to what Scott was saying last night. Scott was what was he, uh, bas- he was basically saying that he believes, uh, you know, in this grand uh, conspiracy that the Jewish people control the world and they're, you know, they're all evil and that they wield power differently than other people wield power. And he was just a bigot. I mean, he was just using the, you know, the Zionist uh, cover for his bigot. Uh, his well, bigotry. I'd have to agree with you there. I mean, I think he did get a, a, a bit extreme, but I mean, I still don't just like bit, to huh? shut shut the stuff out. Uh, so basically, my, my point is, you know, when we're saying anti-Semitic, the Semitic people are actually people like the ones in Gaza. Right. So that's the, the difference. Semitic people are of, of Arab descent, um, and it's, you know, right. but, but today, the way we use the term, um, it's used in modern English to mean a person that hates Jews. I think it's wrong. I, I think it's uh, incorrect. I, for one, have never it's, used the term. It, it isn't an well, incorrect. I, I, neither have I, yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's what's put out there. And uh, by the way, I do know somebody from Israel who's probably more on the Arab side of descent, and he told me, he actually shocked me, because he told me that, uh, you know, if you want the problems to go away over there, that the state of Israel pretty much needs to go away. Now, I don't really have any, uh, you know, I need to do some more research before I, uh, before I think about that kind of stuff, uh, you know, but it's like, kind of like the media, uh, you know, whips this stuff up. And, uh, you know, I've seen uh, interviews. There's a lot of Jews that are against Zionism, so it's you know, true. check it out. I don't know too much right, about it. Right, but the, the, the guy that we were talking to last night believes that everybody who is Jewish is all the same, and, you know... Jews are just, bad. He just but, oh, lumps yeah, yeah, them yeah. all into the same group, and, and it's you know, nice. It's a bit extreme. A, a, a bit what, extreme. A Zionism is what a person thinks, and I will tell you that I do think that people that think certain things, like socialists, for instance, you know, they've, they've got a bad uh, philosophy. So Zionism may very well be a bad philosophy. It sounds like a philosophy that wants to take land away from other people without paying for it, and that's wrong. Yeah. Um, so I'm against that. However, um, the term Zionism is often used as a cover for people that just dislike a particular race of people, and, you know, you can't make a generalization about a particular race, about a race of people and say that all these people do this, because that's not true. At the other, on the other side of it, too, there are a lot of people who criticize Israel who are accused of being anti-Semitic when I think anybody has to be able to, be able to criticize a country if, if they disagree with them. They may love the rest of what they do, but that's, that's illogical and silly to uh, accuse someone of, of that hot-button word just because they, they disagree with, with, with Israel. I can yeah, it's a hot-button word, and it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it kind of shuts uh, conversations down. You yep. know? 
sort of like uh, other things. Appreciate the call tonight. Really appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. We go to Ziggy in the U.K. across the pond. Hello, Ziggy. Hi. I want to pay tribute to a libertarian hero who died today. Oh, who's that? Um, Patrick McGowan. Patrick McGowan. Isn't that the guy from Star Trek? No, he's the guy (laughs) who is best known for his character... uh, portrayal of number six in the series the the prisoner oh okay yeah i know Gardner and goldsmith is a big fan of that the concept for the prisoner which is the most libertarian television show ever um cool on the surface it's a spy thriller about a spy who resigns and you don't know why he resigned he's kidnapped and taken to this place called the village and the setup is that every week they try to extract why he resigned and so, basically, you've got the individual versus authority. And along the way, he dealt with issues such as education, democracy, war, ostracism, rendition, use of drugs, everything is in there. Now, is, is, was Patrick McGowan, I mean, he was the creator of the series or the actor? I missed that point. He was both. Oh, wow. He okay. the concept and he was the lead actor. How about that? So, so he really did, uh, he wasn't just acting a part, he really did believe in the ideas of freedom. Yeah. And later, late, later on in his career, he's probably for, for, for those who are a bit younger, if anyone's seen Braveheart, he played uh, Edward Longshanks. Well, very good. Ziggy. Was that the dad? Um, just, just one no, quick no. comment about Scott. Um, <laughs> I almost ran up and told, said that I was going to get my chums from the Zog government to come and pay him a visit. It's completely ridiculous. It really is. Yeah, he was... Uh, Scott, yeah, Scott yeah, the he bigot. Was, yeah. he, he was, uh, well, you know, we... On Free Talk Live, we let other opinions yeah, be heard. I, I, I applaud Ian for doing that because you give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah he hung, it, hung, sure hung himself nice and high. Um, but Zionism, what Zionism really means is Jewish nationalism or for the greater Israel. In other words, there are Jews who want Israel to go from the Mediterranean to the Euphrates. Okay. That's what Zionism is. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, a, that's a long ways. Thank you, Zig, for the yeah. call tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I mean, there are people in the Middle East that have they've been fighting for generations. I don't claim to know what all the ins and outs are of those uh, the situation over there, but I do know that I don't think that the United States federal government should be involved at all. I mean, that's my easy cop-out answer. Uh, on it's, an, it's an easy cop-out answer um, because the, the because fact I don't is, know what's going on in Africa either. You know, right, I, I understand where know. you're coming from, but the people do, do you think that the people of Africa and the people of the Middle East deserve freedom? Sure, everybody does go. if they want it. So, uh, you know, I, do do we not advocate for freedom? Yeah, do, you do we not give uh, we give solutions for freedom on this show? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the solutions for freedom need to apply in those places too. You know, um, I, we had Scott Horton on to talk about the Middle East problem a couple of nights ago, and I think that uh, you know he gave he gave a couple of good solutions uh, for you know like the next step solutions, either the one state or the two state solutions, which is uh, the fact is Israel hasn't given the Gaza Strip and the West Bank to the Palestinians because they've continued to settle it with more and more sort of uh, right wing settlers that you have to be a pretty tough hombre to go into this uh, territory. And well, they're so so it's not their country. They're not sovereign. So there's a two-state solution: Palestine and Israel, or the one-state solution, which is give the Palestinians citizenship in Israel. There are already Muslim citizens. You don't have to be a Jew to be a citizen of Israel. So, I those those would be the two um, ways that I would advocate. They should be at least treated equally. Toll-free number here: eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Mark, you've got an update on the Bart cop. We talked about this. Uh, I think it was last week. 
where a transit cop in San Francisco, I believe it is, was caught on multiple uh, cell phone video recordings shooting a man in the back who, uh, who we believe was handcuffed at the time. And he was certainly under control. There were four officers present to deal with this uh, one guy. And two of them were dealing with the guy. The other two were standing aside. One of the two who was dealing with him pulls out his uh, firearm and just plugs the dude in the back. Shoots him in the shoots him in the back in front of a whole crowd of onlookers, many of whom thankfully had their cell phone cameras recording and caught this. Now the gentleman, uh, the, the the officer, uh, said that he thought that he had used that was pulling his taser. His taser. Uh, did gun? he say that, or did, I think that was the police chief that was speculating on what might have happened. Okay, well that that was the excuse that was given. Yeah, and it seems plausible to me, you know, in the heat of things going on, that this thing that's shaped like a pistol, although lighter, and it does have a funny colored tip, that, you know, he could have pulled that and thought that that's what he was doing. I, I don't think that necessarily tasing some guy that it, uh, that has handcuffs on is a good idea. I mean, no, he was way over the line. And I do think that uh, you or I or Wayne, if we had done this and this, um, you know, and not been a police officer, that we'd be charged. And so, therefore, I think that he needs to be charged. And I believe that police, uh, you know, when they when they are found guilty of violating of, of doing crimes, need to get heavier sentences than in uh, you know regular citizens do. Well, whether he'll get a heavier sentence or not is still remain to be uh, seen. However, he has been charged with something. We'll get back to that here, give you the, the latest in the BART case here in moments. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind at 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, you can bring up what you want. Dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, and those features include the bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. That's a lot to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. If you're thinking about starting a new business, here's a word to the wise, incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is both fast and easy. They do all kinds of legal documents. It doesn't have to be incorporation. It doesn't have to be for business. They do patents, wills, trademarks, LLCs, living wills, living trusts. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL. Save 10 bucks off off your order. That's LegalZoom.com. All right, so we continue here with an update on a story we covered last week about the BART officer, transit cop, who shot a man in the back. <laughs> a man was being subdued by the police. He did not seem to be uh, overtly, unusually re- uh, resistant. Right, he was upset about getting uh, arrested, and he felt that uh, he shouldn't be. And um, those he was making his case. He had his hands in the air as he was talking to the police. They brought him down to the ground. And it appeared as, as though they had cuffed him or were in the process of cuffing him when one cop stands back, stands up, stands back, pulls his firearm, and shoots the man in the back. He's dead now. Mm. And apparently this man's been, the cop has, has been arrested, which is kind of a shock. I, I must say that I'm, I'm surprised. What's the news here, Mark? Do you have this story? Well, from CNN, a former transit 
police officer accused of shooting an unarmed man at a Northern California commuter train station, doesn't mention in the back, has been arrested and charged with murder, an Alameda County District Attorney said Wednesday. What I feel the evidence indicates is an unlawful killing done by an intentional act. District Attorney Tom Orloff told the uh, reporters at a news conference. So old Tom's getting a little uh, little press coverage out of his uh, you know fellow yeah. enforcer here. Mm. You know I like that. It it doesn't happen enough. No, it doesn't. Usually these guys get a slap on the wrist at worst, and they're turned right back out into the streets. That's typically what happens. But typically there are not three video cameras surrounding the police when they commit their acts of abuse. Usually we hear it from a witness who happened to be there, and it's just their story versus the police. Right. In this case, there was hard video evidence from at least three different angles. And I don't even know if there were uh, cameras in the uh, the transit area that they could look to as well. There may have been actual installation kind of cameras there. And that now that he's been charged, they'll, they'll, look, they'll use those as evidence. You yeah. can't always count on the authorities no. <laughs> to uh, use their own uh, – to, to release their own video. So so this is really unusual in that there were a lot of cameras around, and I think that completely changed how the police and, the in this case, the, the district attorney had to approach this. They just couldn't brush this one under the rug as they normally do. And so it's – I believe it's more evidence that the camera, specifically the video camera, is the most powerful weapon that activists have against the police. And I don't just mean activists. I mean anybody has against the police. Thank goodness that – that subway platform had the train on it at that point. They had actually held the train, as I understood it. So it's a good thing they made the, the authoritarian move of holding the train from continuing so all those people could stand right there and witness this thing happen. Yeah. It, uh, it was lucky for – I guess it's not lucky for anybody. Not lucky no, for the man that's lucky. dead or his family, but, uh, but at least there may be some justice in this case. From the evidence we have, there's nothing that would mitigate that uh, – to something to a lower than murder, he added. The murder charge was the appropriate charge given the state of the evidence. Former Bay Area Rapid Transit Officer – Johannes. That says to me Marcelli. that when they tell that says to me that or, when they took a look at the evidence, Mark, they made a very uh, they made a determination that this guy could not have confused this with his taser, as the police chief was suggesting. Could be uh, twenty. Uh, you know, all all I want to do is give uh, you know that if if there's a reasonable doubt, then let's go with the reasonable doubt. I haven't been presented the evidence. I think that the guy should be charged, and that's all. 27, uh, the, the officer, 27. That's true, he hasn't been convicted. Was arrested Tuesday evening in Nevada. Um, in Nevada. <laughs> he went to Nevada, <laughs> said Orloff. He, was, he waived extradition, and police officers were transporting him back to California on Wednesday. I don't know that I would waive extradition, but maybe. Orloff said, I don't know this, game, this guy's name, Mess Surley's attorney has uh, invoked his client's right to remain silent. In terms of an interview at this point in time, our um, hands are tied. Marcelli was arrested on a fugitive warrant charging homicide in Nevada. Um, so there you go. Yep, yeah, he was accused of shooting Oscar Grant III at an Oakland, California station on New Year's Day. The incident was captured on video by several witnesses and spurred violent protests in Northern California City. So there you go. So we'll keep uh, an eye on that particular case, hopefully, and bring you anything as it develops. 1-800-259-9231. So we continue here, and let's look at a different area of government abuse, one that we really don't cover very often on this program. There are plenty of examples of of state agents, just like the one we just talked about, hurting people, killing people, destroying people's property, and, and getting away with it. Plenty of examples. 
I mean, we talk about them every single week on this program. But what about animals? How does the state treat animals? You know, those lost little puppies and kitties that are out there and get picked up by the animal control officer and taken back to whatever state animal control facility might happen to be in the area. What are things like in those buildings, in those bureaucracies? I mean, we know from looking at the evidence of government bureaucracy, we know that they they don't have an incentive to do things very well. We know that they don't do things efficiently. We know that the bureaucrats, even though they might be real nice to their friends and family, when they're in their role as bureaucrats, since they're completely insulated from any sort of consequences, for the most part, uh, for their actions, they don't really treat people with much respect. But what about a cute little doggy? How did they handle them? Well, the Columbus Dispatch at Dispatch.com has done a little bit of digging. Zealously determined that fewer dogs should die, the Franklin County Animal Shelter harbors sick and vicious dogs and then offers them as pets to unsuspecting families. (laughs) These conclusions, outlined in a report by the Ohio State University College of Veterinary Medicine, portray a shelter riddled with mismanagement, rife with disease, and crippled by overcrowding. In September of 2007, OSU severed a nine-year relationship with the county that provided surgery and treatment worth $55,000 annually. Officially, the university wanted to train its students at the Capital Area Humane Society, which also offers cats. But internally, OSU had serious concerns. Seven OSU vets said shelter managers had dismissed their concerns, overruled their professional advice, and illegally altered dogs' medical records. In the years since, conditions have changed. It's gotten worse, said Dr. Janetto Quinn, who taught shelter medicine and surgery when OSU students were at the shelter. She continues to work through a private surgery contract at the dog pound, uh, and she says that we are worried we're on the brink of a disaster. Such concerns come as the county prepares to spend $18 million on a brand new dog shelter on the site of the former wherever. The new shelter will provide modern ventilation systems to better control the spread of disease and an inviting environment to lure more adoptive families. In a letter sent to commissioners in September, two veterinarians say management problems troubling the current shelter will merely move to a new, prettier address. That letter, which charges continuing mismanagement, prompted a commissioner to call for an outside evaluation of the shelter. We're going to get to some of the details from the OSU report on exactly what was going inside this government animal shelter. 800-259-9231. So the next time you call for the state to take care of little beasts that are running around in the streets, just think about what you're doing. We'll get to the details here in moments. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. 
All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. Uh, totally free for you. And they go back for an entire year at freetalklive.com. Did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your, boss, uh, shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's both private and con- confidential guaranteed privacyharbor.com because normal email is not secure you can go over there and get a free account today at privacyharbor.com 800-259-9231 so what happens when government which is famous for its mismanagement runs an animal shelter well we're finding out from dispatch.com the story from the columbus area where according to a osu ohio state university report They had a partnership for nine years with the state, providing veterinary services to the state's shelter uh, for a significant amount of money every single year. I mean, it was they were giving the services to the state, basically, from what I understand. And the vets that had been working there had continually complained about the uh, conditions that these animals were being kept in. They had complained about the what they call mismanagement of this animal shelter. Of course, uh, as all good government bureaucracies do, uh, the animal shelter is expanding. They're getting larger. They're building a brand-new multi-million-dollar facility, $18 million. And as the OSU uh, reports, that's all it's going to do is just transfer an inefficient bureaucracy that's putting animals in danger and putting families in danger to a larger building. Nothing's going to change as far as the management style is concerned, and why should it? It's the government. They don't have any incentive to do anything right. So what is it that they're doing? Well, according to the story here, uh, by the way, there was one of the city commissioners that went for a called for an outside evaluation of the shelter. She had nothing but uh, praise to say uh, for the shelter. She said, my overall experience with the animal shelter is it's a very wonderful, compassionate place where there are different philosophies. I believe we need an external quality review that's objective, one that takes into account there can be different views, but gets this situation resolved. We need to make sure the public is safe and care for the animals is compassionate. Dogs that bite or attack other pets are given a clean slate, say OSU's experts. Now, again, you're looking at what a commissioner said, a county commissioner who's probably not an expert in much of anything in regards to animals, compared to multiple veterinarians who work for the college. Who are you going to trust? Um, the, 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 pref, uh, the, the, the people that work for the college. Yeah, so the OSU's document says that uh, dogs that bite or attack are given a clean slate, and that they, their adoptive families are not always warned. A program to screen dogs for behavioral problems. Oh, crap. They, was, tell pe- they don't tell people that's right. that the, the, the dog bites? That's right. They're, mm-hmm. they're covering up vicious animals and adopting them out to people. You know, the Humane Society here, and I don't know how connected it is with the government, but as far as I'm concerned, most Humane Societies are far too connected with the, uh, the local governments. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went to adopt a dog, and they told me you know, some of the problems that he has. He's, yeah. he's, he was a food garter, and that can be very bad with a you know baby running around so we decided not to get the dog thank goodness they told us this helps place the right dog with the right people it was a good dog the people in the humane society are concerned with that they want to make sure that the pets are or the, uh, the the animals go into a home that's appropriate for them and that the family's appropriate and the pets appropriate for the family that's it's an important part of what they do is matching up the right people to the right pets apparently the government shelter is just shoving dogs into people's uh, arms and telling them that everything's okay when Don't worry about it's it. not. It'll be fine. 
Uh, in addition, they uh, apparently a, a program that they had at one time to screen dogs for behavioral problems was disbanded more than a year ago. One of the vets from the college provided dozens of records that show dogs have been brought into the shelter for biting that were put back up for adoption. Return for biting child three times in face, a concerned employee wrote oh on one file for a 30-pound dog that had bitten a nine-year-old boy on the cheeks and chin, currently in foster for two years. Dogs are also being adopted out sick, sticking owners with expensive medical bills. Shelter vets fear that such parasites such as Giardia lambli- Lamblia, which causes explosive diarrhea, will, sp- <laughs> will spread to healthy pets and people in the community. For a time last year, the sick dogs were left in adoption wards with red signs on their cages that said, I have a tummy ache and I'm a strict cage rest. Other signs posted near the time clock warned employees, dogged with red cards on cage have giardia. Please clean last, then dump water and clean all tools. Wear gloves. So people feel sorry for the sick puppy and they reach in to pet him and you've just spread giardia, said the vet. The shelter is still overcrowded, but things have changed since the OSU report, said staff veterinarian. He says the shelter's healthier now than it's ever been. Dogs with giardia are now being quarantined. The shelter is also unsanitary, according to OSU. Dogs are allowed to lounge around the shelter to socialize them, but the vets complained that urine and feces were everywhere, oh, even God. inside employee lunchrooms. Very recently, one vet wrote in the OSU report, I walked into the women's restroom and there was a chihuahua wrapped in a towel sitting on a chair in there. There was no employee around to question. It was literally just sitting there staring at me. (laughs) Dogs are suffering, stacked in small cages with little human contact or exercise for months on end, said the OSU report. Some stay on the county tab for food, boarding, and medical care as long as three years. The report says that in many cases, behavioral problems develop or worsen. I commonly saw muscle wasting. If animals were confined this way in homes or puppy mills, the owners could be charged for animal cruelty. They would be charged. But Sovereign immunity. Government. Right. Not the state. Because there's no, there's really virtually nothing you can do about this. You can read this story. You can feel touched. You can feel outraged. You can feel uh, upset. You can call your commissioners about it. But in the in the long run, there's really nothing you can do because you're being forced to pay for it. So you can disagree with the way they're treating these animals, and I can't imagine many people would agree with what these people are doing there. But you can disagree with it, but that doesn't mean you can stop funding it. Now, when the Humane Society sends a letter to my house asking us to send them some money, it's completely my choice to send the Humane Society a hundred bucks. It's up to me. And that's the way it should be. That's one of the reasons why the Humane Society cares about the animals that they take care of, because they have an image to uphold. They have a reputation, and their reputation is a good one. It's one that takes care of uh, animals and helps, helps them meet help, um, happy families. And uh, if they don't do the right thing, people are going to get word that the Humane Society is abusing animals, and their, their contributions are going to dry up, and that's going to be it for them. But the state doesn't have that same incentive. They have none of it. You know, we used to volunteer at an animal shelter down south, and the first thing they do if they think that a dog is aggressive is they actually separate them from the rest of the dogs. Mm-hmm. And they try to separate the dogs that are very adoptable uh, from the ones that aren't or, or have a problem and try to ascertain whether or not they uh, are a threat. 
And my kids used to actually walk them outside and try to get them adopted. They used to walk in parades with some of the dogs that were really nice dogs to try mm-hmm. to get them adopted. My kids actually got a lot of dogs adopted because if they, if you see a, a kid walking a dog that's up for adoption and the dog's licking the kid. Looks safe. Yeah, it looks safe. Sure. You, you, it's, it's, when you have a family, it's the single biggest concern. Am I bringing an animal into my home that is going to harm my child? That's right. Or protect it. Protecting it would be good. Yeah. For years, shelter employees have complained of chaotic working envir- of a chaotic working environment and mistreatment by management. This is detailed in letters sent to the county's Human Resources Agency, resignation letters, and exit interviews. One of the former attendants who quit in late 2007 after working there two years said, To this day, no one has called me. Her exit interview describes horrible working conditions, including kennel overcrowding and unprofessional supervisors. Another one, uh, Denise Schuess, resigned as custodian back in 2007, saying, I've never worked with people who are so rude and disrespectful. Sounds like any other government bureaucracy to me, except this one's taking care of animals. Joanne Baird wrote the county's personnel director in February that her life has been devastated financially, professionally, and emotionally by my short time at the shelter. I tried to deal with the rudeness, the inadequate training, the inconsistent rules and regulations, but the dogs are the ones who suffer most. I saw potential owners who are the most obvious dog lovers rejected on a regular basis for the most ridiculous of reasons. So not only were they just hooking some families up with dangerous animals, other people who the employees say they knew were lo- uh, dog lovers were just being rejected. Out of hand. Sorry, you can't have that dog. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. There's more about this situation. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like this show. You want to help support Free Talk Live. You can become a Free Talk Live amplifier over at amp.freetalklive.com, where you can take three bucks a month, send it over to us, and we take that money and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board as well, and exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So if that's valuable to you, it's worth three bucks a month. Go to amp.freetalklive.com, get signed up, get access to perks, like uh, the Amp Only Call-In Lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details await you at amp.freetalklive.com. Just a few more uh, details on this case which is really sad, out of the Columbus area, Dispatch.com, reporting on a OSU report, uh, OSU being the Ohio State University College of Veterinary Medicine. They had been teamed up for nine years with the local dog shelter, the government-run shelter, the animal shelter. And they've finally broken off their nine-year-long relationship, after essentially citing abuse of the animals, citing uh, them uh, essentially hooking uh, families up with dangerous animals and not telling them. Uh, there's just lo- there was a laundry list of things, mismanagement. Uh, I mean, just unsanitary conditions. Just it was just awful sounding. And of course, the government's response is, well, we need to have an independent investigator come in here and take a look at these things, as though the OSU veterinarians aren't independent 
enough, the people who had actually been working in there. But not only were the vets upset, but also many former employees had complained about, as one woman said, I've never worked with people who are so rude and disrespectful. This rude seems uh, has uh, cropped up in several of the uh, complaints by yes. the, these, uh, whatever, they're not complaints, but these uh, reports by employees after they've left. Um, Specifically about the management. So I, it makes me think, in fact, that they are rather rude. And then knowing that it's a government bureaucracy, having dealt with government bureaucracies where they just don't care about what it is that you're there for, you know, like I see that. Can you imagine how frustrating it must be to be somebody who goes into one of these, uh, goes into this shelter looking for a job? Somebody who probably loves animals Likely, would be looking for a job there. You're, you're not going into one of these places. These are one of the places that sort of sell themselves with the you get to work with animals thing, mm-hmm. you know? So the, the, the pay is going to be a little lower than it would be in some other, um, you know, government bureaucracy because you get to work with animals. You get to, you know, show how much you care. So it has that, that uh, fuzzy, warm, fuzzy feeling to it. <laughs> Can you imagine how frustrating it would be, though, to come it, in and. Right. Right, because they don't love the animals, and you're getting treated like crap at work. Right, and you're just an employee, so what can you do about it? It's the administrators that are pulling all the strings, and you just have to do your best to minimize whatever damage it is these bureaucrats are, are wreaking, whatever havoc. As OSU prepared to pull out of the shelter in 2007, the then-dean of the Veterinary College wrote the commissioners in town to suggest they hire an independent expert to evaluate shelter operations. Uh, one of the other uh, folks said the county administrator phoned OSU but was told uh, was told of none of the problems. OSU faculty members remember so, no such call, although they had expected one. Shelter employees and veterinarians told the dispatch that county officials have been dismissive of their complaints. In the middle of the maelstrom is Wayhoff, an articulate, soft-spoken woman who loves dogs so much that her defenders say she's being attacked for heroically trying to save innocent lives. And I don't recall who Ms. Wayhoff was, but anyway. Is she, she one of the employees that was I think so. kicked uh, to the curb? Hard to, hard to say. But anyway, uh, she has single-handedly changed the way the, the homeless animals are managed, taking the shelter from a place of routine euthanasia of the masses to a caring and humane environment, said the director of Friends of the Shelter. So obviously she sounds like a, a, an administrator. That nonprofit group, which asks for donations on the shelter's website, last year raised over $202,000 for a discretionary fund to provide medical and private boarding expenses for shelter dogs. This creative way of sparing taxpayers' bills to save dogs that might otherwise be euthanized is a credit to her credibility with rescue groups. She's also praised for expanding a program to set up foster homes for shelter dogs. I don't think there's any uh, plus to not euthanizing a dog and then treating it uh, you know, worse than an animal. I'm with you there. Uh, she's also praised for pushing low-cost community spay and neuter programs and adding education to the enforcement arm of the shelter animal control. Owners get friendly counseling from wardens on how to properly care for their dogs, preventing the animals from suffering or being seized. She said, before we were the Gestapo, she landed her job after two directors left within a year. She says she's fighting the herd mentality to less discriminately thin out the dogs rather than taking the time to get to know each dog and give it a chance. So according to her, she's just a hero. However, her critics, including the OSU vets, charged she's killing dogs with kindness. A refusal to euthanize sick or dangerous dogs has overcrowded the shelter, they say, spreading stress and germs, sickening otherwise healthy and adoptable animals, and putting people and pets in the community at risk. 
Now, look, I understand why the uh, there are there's a set of these people out there that uh, they're the no kill, no kill shelter types. I understand. I mean, dogs and cats sure are cute. And sure, wouldn't it be nice if they could all get adopted out to nice families and live long, happy, healthy lives? That'd be great. Yeah. But the reality is that's just not how it is it's just not a, a true statement that all of these dogs and cats can be adopted out and and if you're keeping them alive and that's it's spreading diseases you're doing more damage it's unrealistic and the other thing is in the last 18 months a lot because of all the home foreclosures a lot more dogs are ending up in animal shelters because people have to abandon their homes they leave their they leave fido in the yard or in the house and they leave them behind which is very it's yeah, terrible, it's but perfectly good dogs, too. Wonderful dogs who, family dogs, they just couldn't take them with them. They're broke, they're destitute, and they couldn't take the dog with them, so they left the dog behind. And, and, and they, these dogs end up in animal shelters, and a lot of the animal shelters are overflowing with these dogs now. You know, I don't know if it was you, Mark, that made this point before, if it was just Julia and I having a private conversation, but the suggestion was that having a shelter that actually euthanizes animals could encourage more adoptions. I mean, if you think about it, if you're going in to adopt an animal from a shelter and you know that it's been there for X amount of time, and, you know, let's say three years, let's say they keep them for two or three years before they euthanize them or something like that. I've seen a lot of them, uh, you know, the the animal control often will uh, give them 30 days. Whatever Whatever the amount of time is, you know, they're given this amount of time and the people that are coming in there are told, well, so and so's been here since 2006 and we're going to have to put her down next month. That could actually motivate somebody to say, you know, normally I wouldn't want to get a kitty that looks like that, but oh my gosh, I don't want to have this kitty get killed. I'll go ahead and adopt that kitty. And that could actually encourage other adoption, whereas that person might have walked out and said, if it was a no-kill shelter, they might have just said, oh, well, you know, if I leave, then they'll take care of the cat. So could it encourage more people to adopt? I think it does. I don't know that it's uh, the right, uh, you know, the, the right sort of encouragement that people need. I think but the people... fact is you're running out of room. You've got to do something. Yeah. It, it must be harder to get people to adopt these days, too. Why, why do you think that is? Because of Finances? economic conditions, yeah. Maybe the case. Uh, on September 28th, doctors, uh, some of the doctors wrote commissioners. One of them, Dr. Melinda Holland, served as medical director of the shelter for six months and then quit in 2007. She said, I couldn't prevent animal suffering or protect the public. It just gives you nightmares. It's a time bomb. The doctors wrote the commissioners outlining in unsparing terms their observations from a combined five years of working at the shelter. They wrote that we've witnessed ongoing practices that result in reckless public endangerment and increased animal suffering. They warned the public is being exposed to diseases that can jump from animals to people, as well as dangerous dogs that are being adopted out and put the county at risk of lawsuits, not to mention people getting hurt. This is the part about the not euthanizing that bothers me the most. Look, if it's a dangerous dog... What are you going to do with it? They're going to kill the damn dog when it bites somebody, aren't they? Right. It, well, it is biting. Not necessarily. Apparently not. They, you know, it, take, it can take a while. When, the, when the, the city is in charge of euthanizing the animals and then there's a, a bureaucrat there that doesn't want to, uh, to euthanize animals, then they'll figure out ways not to do it. So it's, it, it's a mess. And the fact is, dogs that bite need to be euthanized. I, you know, there there probably are people out there that can take the right dog that has the, you know, that 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 bites people and turn it into a good dog. However, the average person cannot, and the average person is the one who's going and adopting these dogs, especially if they're not being told. 
So the deputy uh, Franklin County administrator who's been investigating the complaints against Ms. Wayhoff says he's found no substantive proof of record tampering or poor management. Lisa is a very dedicated employee, he said. Wayhoff appears stunned last week by the complaints against her. She says, uh, blah, 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 we're not putting dogs or people in jeopardy. We're doing a good job. So if you ask the government people, everything's fine at the shelter. No problems over here. Our, imp- our independent investigator well, says... Well, the college isn't leaving for no reason at all. The college was left after nine years of trying to change things there, and they've had it, and they're pull- they've pulled out. The veterinarians, uh, you know, the, the, these veterinarians, you can't get anybody who's, uh, you know, more qualified to give their opinion on this. They're saying that there's all kinds of problems, and nobody's listening. Oh, by the way, the government, they don't have to listen. The administrator, Ms. Wayhoff, she's not a vet. She's a former nursing home administrator. Oh, boy. 800-259-9231. There you have it. How the government handles animal shelters. And if you think it's significantly different where you are, well, maybe you just don't have the details. Remember, no incentive means a crap job. Hour two's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We're launching here into hour number two, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls. John in New Hampshire, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello? Hey, John, you're on the air. Yeah, at the beginning of the other hour, I, I, I missed the details, but somebody with a badge shot somebody in the back. He's charged with murder, which is kind of a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, my prediction on that, if you follow the case, that those charges will be worked down to manslaughter and then eventually to nothing, depending on depending on what kind of badge he had. On the other he hand, was just a, was a, a transit private... officer, and he was caught on multiple video uh, people on video cell phones doing what he did. So it's going to be a tough uh, case for them to to I guess whittle down. But I, certainly that has happened in the past, so it's a, yeah, it's a good real, prediction. They're real good at that. They're they're real good at protecting their own. On the other hand, if it's like a a mother that shakes the baby, just like innocently trying to. I mean, I, I know we don't like the idea of abusing a baby or anything, but sometimes trying to do something with the baby, um, mm-hmm. and the baby is shaken. The, the, there's, there's actually a syndrome called shaken baby syndrome, yeah. and they, they end up charging the mother or the nanny or, or whoever the family member was, or, you know, a niece, nephew, or whatever it is. They end up charging the, that person with murder, and then they end up not whittling down the charges, but they actually add on child abuse, child endangerment, you know, on and on and on, and they build the they they build this enormous case against a private individual right and then they take a plea bargain and they'll cut it down from there you're right they uh, they slap people with as many charges as possible whereas when it's the bureaucrats it's the the very least they can do i, I expect i expect to see the exact opposite i don't expect you to follow the case i know you have you know 100 you know you, you do a radio show so you can't follow all these cases but if you were to follow it my prediction is that that gets whittled down to manslaughter and then down to like nothing like the guy's justified. If I can make a couple other points, 
Yeah. Uh, Wayne was on last week. I'm, I'm usually a week behind. I appreciate the uh, sarcasm. He was like in sarcasm mode last week. <laughs> I like it. Um, a, lo- a lot of times people get offended by that, but I think it. All- but I think that mode of communication does raise questions in people's minds, and and it, and it's really a neat kind of way. Sometimes offensive and to some folks. And the other thing is that I see on the webcam that there's a guy in, in a blue shirt wandering around over there, and I'd like to say welcome home to him. <laughs> okay, I, I right. Sam is there. Yep, that is uh, Sam. Thank you, John, for the call tonight. Good hearing good from evening, you. Guys. You yep, too, John. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, you know, I'll mention why Sam is uh, was here tonight. He had brought his camera over to, to shoot a little bit of footage and take a look at a piece of uh, paperwork that the... State of New Hampshire sent me out of the blue today. Uh, For those of you that are unaware, a few months back, there was a a controversy that brewed up here in Keene, New Hampshire, over my tenants that had a couch in their yard. I refused to remove the couch when the code enforcers demanded it. I said I'd move it if the anonymous complainant would come to meet, meet me like a neighbor would. She didn't. Uh, she refused to meet me, and so I refused to move the couch. It all came to a showdown at the uh, the Keene District Court where I uh, attempted to say a few words. Uh, apparently, I didn't sit fast enough. Anyway, the judge uh, had me thrown in the slammer for 93 days on three contempt of court charges plus three, or 90 days for three contempt of court charges plus three days for the, uh, the couch in the yard situation. I spent the weekend in jail, begged for mercy on uh, that Monday afterwards, and was let out on what they call a suspended sentence, which means that if I was to be um, busted for some sort of misdemeanor or or felony or even a major traffic violation, they could then re uh, you know throw me back in jail. Essentially, right. the sentence is no longer suspended. <laughs> so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a three-page long uh, motion to show cause, as they say here. Uh, they claim that apparently I violated the suspended sentence, according to them, because I sent a press release, blogged. And promoted, uh, generally just promoting what Andrew did over the weekend. So you've been listening for the past few days. You know that on Saturday there was a marijuana protest that went on here in Keene. Andrew Carroll, very brave young man who is a free stater, moved from California, uh, now an activist here in New Hampshire. He possessed marijuana in public. There were about 40 people that came out to this event. Cameras were all over the place. He was arrested. Uh, you know, we followed him down to the police station. He was released. They charged him with a Class B misdemeanor, and then he's got a court date for early March. And, of course, there's going to be more activism done at that time in regards to his case. But now they're saying that apparently the fact that I promoted said civil disobedience by assisting James Carroll with submitting press releases, blogging, promoting attendance at the civil disobedience on freekeen.com, and by personally appearing to show support and to videotape his civil disobedience, I have violated some statute that they call criminal, get this, criminal liability for the conduct of another how can you be liable for the conduct of another? Apparently, I, uh, they're because, claiming I am. Because some politicians sometime in the past have passed this rule. That's right. Now, there are a few ellipses in this, so he's taken some words out of the uh, the actual statute, but the way he quoted it was that a person is an accomplice of another person in the commission of an offense if, with the pr- uh, purpose of promoting the commission of the offense, he aids in planning and committing it. So I don't know if that's – I haven't looked up to see if that's a misdemeanor or what what that is. Uh, but essentially they're saying that because I engaged in free speech, because I sent a press release for Andrew, 
because I posted on freekeen.com. The act of the act of possessing the marijuana was what is illegal. Promoting the fact that you're going to possess the marijuana, not illegal. Do you understand? Like you were covering it. The, you were covering it as a member of the media. I was covering it you as a member of the media. You didn't help him hold the marijuana because if you did, like he can, it only weighs, uh, you know, what, what did it lay? A, fr- a weigh a fraction a of an ounce. Bud. You yeah. didn't. He didn't need help possessing that. You did no. not aid him in possessing it. You simply sent out. Uh, you know, used free speech. This is ludicrous. They wait, say yeah, wait it is they, ludicrous. Wait until they find it's really oregano. Well, I know it. Well, I'm pretty sure it wasn't really oregano. I t- Lauren though did have some oregano with her that day. Uh, and, and the thing just this this thing just goes on for pages and pages. Uh, it says here that uh, that uh, apparently I appeared at the police department and continued my support of Andrew and remained in the lobby. So apparently, standing in the police lobby is evidence supporting their claim. You ate pizza. Yeah, I was there with about 40 other people. Uh, apparently, the Keene Police Department is investigating the staged disobedience and reviewing videos to determine whether other participants may have engaged in criminal activity. So it may not just be me that they go after in this case. I'm not sure if they're going to bother bringing anybody else up on this criminal liability for conduct of another charge. Uh, but there could very well be some other people that they that they go after here. I mean, it's it's clear that I am being targeted. I mean, if, especially if they don't go after anybody else, it's clear they're targeting me because I'm visible and I'm uh, open uh, about my support of civil disobedience. And they're trying to crack down. The, the crackdown continues here. And the, the whole idea that engaging in free speech is a criminal act. It's nuts. I mean, I don't it think they have a case. I don't think they have a case here, but obviously the prosecutor thinks he does. And well, it doesn't cost him anything. It's not like he's putting up uh, right. you know, thousand dollars to say, well, if I'm wrong, I'd be willing to bet a thousand dollars. Ian Bernard has violated this law. He's not yeah. doing that. He's just, well, you know, doing his thing. Right. Yeah, they can essentially throw as many charges up against the wall as they want to, and it's up to uh, the judge to make the decision as to whether or not any of them stick. So if they have their way, they'll be throwing me back in a prison in a jail cell for 90 days. That's what they're trying to do here. It's nutty. Uh, according to this uh, affidavit, the prosecutor claims he's personally viewed some videos that Ian was seen in the background of several videos that Ian continued his support and promotion of James A. Carroll's conduct by having him on his internet radio talk show, freetalklive.com, while we are on over 46 radio affiliates. Uh, so, uh, so apparently having him on the radio show. I think is, you should sue him for uh, for libel for writing that down. He's, you know, I, mean, that, I find that insulting. That that we're just an internet talk yeah. show. I mean, yeah, like he's he's, <laughs> look, man, you're, you're calling me things I'm not. So they're claiming that uh, in order to avoid your suspended sentence coming back at you, you have to uh, engage in good behavior, which is defined as conduct conforming to the law. And so they're claiming that I have violated the laws of the state of New Hampshire by sending a press release out, blogging, and appearing personally and showing support for Mr. Andrew Carroll in his protest over the weekend. So to anyone else who was attending the Andrew Carroll protest, beware. The uh, Keene Police Department in the state of New Hampshire may be on the lookout for you. 800-259-9231. As this develops, uh, we'll let you know what we decide to do about this. Uh, Sam's involved. He's going to help me out here. We're going to, I don't know, file some paperwork or something like that, because obviously uh, the the non-consenting approach does not work. That's what got me thrown in the jail cell in the first place. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, you can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. 
That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those including live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version, and a webcam, all totally free for you at freetalklive.com. The main sponsor of Free Talk Live is uh, SACL CAI. They do collections, early out billing. They do everything to handle accounts receivable uh, for your business. So if you like Free Talk Live, you want to support Free Talk Live, one of the ways you can do it is well, turn over your accounts receivable to SACL CAI. The folks over there, uh, Jason Osborne and the rest of the crew, are great lovers of liberty, and they do a lot for promoting freedom here in the United States. SACL CAI. 800-259-9231, continuing with your phone calls about what you want. We go to Andy in Michigan. Andy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andy. Andy going once. This isn't Andy. This... Well, Paula in Florida. Are you there? Hello? You're cutting Hi. out, girl. Paula. <laughs> I just want to let you all know, we just found out that all of our silver mines have uh, been shut down. They've all run out of silver ore. Who's you, we? you on a silver mine? Well, it's just it was just on the news. They said uh, four of the smalls have closed down. Now the biggest we uh, uh, we had is closed down, and okay. they're looking Who's for we? silver now. And I was reading something in my book from the House of Data about this uh, thing with uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, mm. and it's also based on buying silver and gold from the oil that we're getting from Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm confused. What are you getting? Okay, at? it is at Daniel eleven forty three. And it talks about this. It says that the Americans and British now administer the Iraqi oil fields. It, if desired, it says that in the Bible? Yeah. If desired, revenue from oil I don't sales. Know if they had Americans back when that was written, but go ahead. Anyway, he said that we, they're going to use the, the money from the oil to actually purchase gold and silver. Well, and, uh, I would, that wouldn't surprise me. Exactly. Yeah. What, what does that uh, What does that prophecy uh, sort of indicate is going to happen? I mean, what What? So, so they use some money to or use some oil to buy gold and silver. What What does that mean? Well, I guess because, you know, uh, we only have so much ourselves, you know, and sooner or later, I guess we're going to need more, you know. And more I mean, oil or more gold more, and silver? More gold and silver. So what you're make- alleging that uh, the oil magnates are using the profits from the oil sales to buy up all the world's gold and silver? Is that what you're, you're I guess that's what it's talking I mean, that's, I guess that's what it's saying. Where, now. now, where are you getting this news from, Paul? It's from uh, Daniel 11.43. Okay, now, so that's that's a Bible passage? Uh-huh. Do they mention Barack Obama in that uh, passage? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's called the King of the South, and G.W.'s called the King of the North. Why would they call uh. them different kings? I don't understand. Because, because, because hold on, uh, G.W.'s from Texas, uh, Barack Obama's from... Wait a minute, from, from, wait a minute. Both of them are from the House of David. Uh-huh. So they're considered kings. They look so different. I know, but they're family. Okay. I'm calling the mothership to take me out of here right now. Thanks, Paula, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Yeah. We continue with Andy in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andy. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I had, uh, well, an update on the the homeschooling thing. I talked to my wife about that, and she said that she read the ordinance. Wait, wait, wait. What homeschooling thing? I'm sorry. you got to bring us up to speed. Um. Where they wanted me to call the number and register my homeschooled child. Oh, right, right. Yeah, they sent right. you a, oh. a letter, and they said you should do this. They didn't say you had to do it. They sort of suggested like it was something you might want to do, and you weren't I, sure. I read it again, and it says, if you have not done so already, you should call. Hmm. So what happened? Uh, I, I talked to my wife about it, and she said she read the ordinance or the regulation or whatever the name of the thing is, and... uh 
it said that she had to call the school principal and inform her. Okay. So she did that. And she said she has no further obligation to them, and they can kiss her rear because she doesn't like them either. Good. So um, but what I wanted to talk about uh, was an idea I just came up with. Okay. Um, for advocates for people. For advocates. I'm not sure what you mean. Well, think of what um, people like Sam do. And and whoever the guy is that inspires him, what's his name? Randy Kelton. Randy Kelton. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that if people provided information to these advocates that demonstrated the behavior of of government bureaucrats to toward them, like some of the things that that Sam has been experiencing, things mm-hmm. like that. Like say say I have. I'm here in Michigan, and I have a conflict with the government, and I'm filming what I'm doing, you know, to try to stand up for myself. Or I film the traffic stop that gets me in trouble or, you know, whatever. Yeah, gotcha. But maybe I'm not savvy to, you know, legalese or or how to read statutes and code. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Most, I mean, the average person uh, does not understand legalese. I don't. I it's like a whole other language to me. Um, and to so, have somebody so who's I'm not a lawyer, is, if you ask, yeah, if you ask a lawyer to do this, the lawyer will not do this. So what? What I was trying to think of what you would call a person like this, and the closest word I can come up with is advocate. I think it's a fine idea. I think that uh, somebody like Sam, who's put a lot of time and effort into learning this, you know, learning sort of the system and how to uh, to use the system to get remedy from the system. I think people like him should be able to, you know, sell their services and 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 make it to that, you know, if they want to, make it the, into a career, make it something where they're defending uh, innocent people and they, they're not lawyers and they therefore can do things that lawyers can't do. Uh, and I think that's a great idea. And it's my understanding that up here in New Hampshire, that's completely legal. If you want somebody else who's not you to represent you in a New Hampshire courtroom, you can do that. I don't know if that's the case in the other 49 states. Maybe it is in some. Maybe it isn't in others. But you don't necessarily have to have a lawyer representing you up here, which could really be an opening for people like uh, for people like Sam to to turn his knowledge into a, a money making career. It's all gotten so absurd. You know, really, there's only two primary laws. A, uh, do all you've agreed to do. And secondly, don't encroach on other people or their property. How simple can it get? Do no harm. Do no harm. It is simple. Thank you for the call and the suggestion tonight, Andy. Appreciate hearing from you, and good luck with the homeschooling situation there. Yes. 1-800-259-9231. I know that homeschooling is a big uh, motivator for a lot of families that are uh, joining the Free State Project. We'll tell you about the Free State Project in a little bit, but are are moving as activists here to New Hampshire because they understand that there are a number of other homeschooling families that are moving together as well because the reality in the homeschooling world is the regulations just keep getting piled on in places especially like California and other places like that where the homeschoolers are just under constant attack from the government bureaucracies, the teachers' unions that don't want homeschools to exist, uh, that they want to regulate them out of existence and force those kids that are being homeschooled back into the government system. That's ideally, I think, what those teachers' unions would like. I mean, the, the, Of the course pr- they would. I mean, you don't... It, they want to it, keep it, getting funding, too. Every student they don't have is one that they don't... They're, they're not in control of. Right. So they're working constantly on uh, infringing upon homeschooling rights, and I don't know if they're really getting uh, – the homeschoolers are making progress in many other places. I don't even know if they're making progress in New Hampshire yet, but I do know that they're getting together, 
And if we get activists together all into the same place, then something has got to change. It's clear that the government is going to lash out and hurt as many people as it possibly can in its remaining days, however long it has left, uh, which is what they're doing to me because I'm an advocate for, uh, for ending government coercion. They're now attacking me as apparently as often as they can. Are listening to the show and trying to dig up dirt on me, and we'll see what they we'll see what ends up happening to them as a result of this. 800-259-9231. Will I end up going back into a prison cell for another 90 days? I sure hope not. I'd rather be here doing this show. But if it does happen that way, I hope there are some unintended consequences for the state as a result of it, and I mean peaceful ones, of course. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. John Plaster talks about snipers, sniper history, and sniper training. And Mark Hatmaker tells all on grappling, martial arts, and his grueling workouts at paladinpodcast.com. Paladinpodcast.com is a service of Paladin Press. You can browse over 900 books and DVDs on topics such as personal and financial freedom, Second Amendment issues, military history, self-defense, and more. Remember, paladinpodcast.com. That's paladinpodcast.com. As we continue with your phone calls about what you want, it is Steve in Colorado. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Greetings tonight. How are you doing? Hey, super. What's on your mind, Steve? Uh, really quickly, who who is in the studio with you besides Mark? Wayne is here tonight. Wayne. All right, great. I thought that was his voice. Um, and Wayne, as uh, we've established before, is just a wee bit older than me. He's the <laughs> elder statesman of liberty, I would say. <laughs> That's right. Um, yes, Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so this question is more directed to, towards Wayne, but obviously it's your show. You can chime in. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, uh, yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm directing the show now, just just so you know. Um, but it, anyway, Wayne, um, I I think that I'm hearing more about the dissolution of the union coming from various different people than I have at any other time in my life. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I've heard a lot of rumors about that myself. It's it's a little disconcerting, isn't it? At the same well, time, it's scary I, I and exciting, exciting at the same time. <laughs> You're right. Um, I think it's fascinating, exciting. Uh, I'm just totally thrilled about it. And the reason why I'm saying that is because last night I got two phone calls from two different people. One of them is a neocon. He's a friend of mine, He's but he's a neocon. I mean, I, I have friends who are liberals and friends that are neocons. Not a lot of my friends actually believe in liberty, but I'm trying to convince them. Um, and then another another friend of mine, and he's one of these guys that gee, do I like Pepsi or do I like Coke? Do I want to go to Burger King or do I want to go to McDonald's? Am I going to vote for Obama or am I going to vote for McCain? He's one of those kind of guys, right? And he called up last night talking about he thinks that the end of of the United States at the federal level, the, the this constitutional government that we currently have, is around the bend. He told me he thinks that Obama is going to be the last president that we have. Um, hmm. Now, whether that's true or not, I I don't know, but I'm just hearing this buzz 
more than I've ever heard it in my life, and I've been around for over four decades. So just well, good. That I'd sounds like good news there. to me. Yeah, I, and 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 since Wayne's just as I said, just a little bit older than me, and Mark's about my age, I think. Um, just wondering if they if they've experienced similar things in the last couple of years. I, have, I absolutely have, and I'm seeing more articles on it too. But the, the real question is, what's going to replace it? There you go. That's the yeah. real question. If it does collapse, because it, it seems like it's on the verge of collapse. A lot of the things that have put, been put in place since FDR are now imploding. The whole monetary system seems to be imploding worldwide. What is going to replace this? Is it going to be something civil or uncivil? That's the question. Right. And I wonder if if legally, I wonder if, if you know, if the government collapses at the federal level, if the politicians just can't maintain it, I wonder if that means do we automatically go back to the Articles of, of Confederation or do we go to nothing or do we go, you know, to some Julius Caesar come and kick everybody's butt and take over with the army, you know, a bunch of generals? Uh, have a military coup, I have no idea. Well, laws are just rules that are written down by people that have the ability to enforce them. That's I right. can write mm-hmm. rules down, and if I don't have the ability to enforce them, they're the ramblings of a madman. Mm-hmm. However, right. if um, you do have the ability, they're then, they're then the ramblings of a statesman. Um, <laughs> and it's really not much different. But So if the federal government has the ability to stop the states from running themselves, then they will. If they don't, they won't. Um, then the states will pick up and you know they'll they'll sort of direct their own stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that, that's really well said. I like how you said that. Um, yeah, I am after all a super genius. <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, it can't happen soon enough. I hope people start talking about it more and talk talk about it more seriously. I don't know what go. I don't know how it's going to occur. I mean, I don't obviously nobody predicted you know the fall of the Berlin Wall or the dissolution of the USSR. They didn't know when that was going to happen. So it could be a surprise. And what yep. will it mean? How will it all play out? I don't, I certainly don't know. Uh, will people uh, get hurt in the conflict? I hope not. Uh, I hope it can be done peacefully. And mm-hmm. I guess only time will tell. But I, I'm glad you've observed that. That's certainly a positive development as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you know, I think best case scenario. Scenario, uh, the, the various different states, uh, the federal government dissolves and the states just kind of continue on. Maybe a few of them will conform, will uh, form up the Confederation of the West or something like that. You know, Washington, Oregon, California getting together. I don't know. A lot of the Midwest states would be, um, you know, sort of captured in the center of the country. That's not a particularly good place to be to, to have to uh, have you know to have to do commerce through another territory that's bad news so likely right, they would landlocked. yeah they would uh, you know uh, become a confederacy of their own i've seen maps now too of, of proposed uh breakup of the united states into about five different territories mm-hmm. yeah i've seen one that had nine uh there was a book written in the early 80s i, I forgive me i don't know the title uh, but it it's it was called something like the the nine states of America or something like that, and it and this author he was some kind of a sociologist or something like that, which usually I don't trust those guys, but he his argument was pretty pretty good from what I recall, and he showed that there's actually nine different uh, regions of the United States. And of course, that, he said that, that Vermont and New Hampshire are exactly the same, didn't he? You know, I can't remember, and that's a good. I, in fact, I thought about that when I was talking about this book last night with one of my friends. I I, I couldn't remember because Vermont, New Hampshire, they're like. They're not exactly bookends, are they? <laughs> yeah. 
they're, they're quite different in some ways. I don't want anything to do with Vermont. I mean, I think that if we saw secession happen, ideally, Vermont could go off and do their own thing, and New Hampshire could go off and do its own thing, and I think yep, you'd see some right. very different results between the two. It'd be it'd be like a study in contrast uh, between a socialist state right next door to a kind of a free marketplace. And, and people from Vermont would still come to New Hampshire to shop. To shop. You better believe they would. <laughs> you but, yeah. you know, wherever the dollar goes, that's where the United States is going to go. because the, Well, that's inevitably going down. And it's, yeah. And right now, it's, 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 there is a reprieve. It's been artificially strong because some people have put money into U.S. treasuries and dollars thinking that's, that's a, uh, a safety. And I think mm-hmm. this year you may see that illusion being broken to, to smithereens. Yep, I think so. Thanks. Well, I tell you what, yes. we are Free State Project members, and Great. I can't wait to get there. Thanks, Steve. Cool. We'll look forward to seeing you All here right. in New Hampshire. I appreciate the call tonight, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, we continue here with Jake, listening in Illinois. Jake, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Hey, Jake. On, on a lighter note, uh, doesn't Barack Obama look like a black Alfred E. Newman? <laughs> I don't know. I guess. Well, well, they said Bush looked like a white Alfred E. Newman. His teeth, he doesn't have a gap in his teeth, does he? Wait a minute. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, look, I, I suggest your listeners uh, put in Google Alfred E. Newman and Barack Obama because they're going to see some pretty funny pictures. And when I first saw, when I first saw uh, Barack Obama, I said, he looks just like Alfred E. Newman. And sure enough, there are there are uh, pictures popping up, and there, there's one uh, on the uh, the nation uh, of uh, of him uh, with the red hair and the freckles, <laughs> and it, the title is if if uh, um, if Barack Obama was a Republican, you know, this this is how they would portray him. You know, I see. Saturday Night Live and whatnot. Of course, they don't do anything, you know, because they'd be afraid of being racist, labeled racist, if they make fun of him in any way. He doesn't like his uh, he doesn't like his ears being made fun of is what my understanding is, and so that would go over very poorly and uh you know when when it comes to the uh, the liberal elite if there is such a thing, um they they're gonna toe the line. You know but, but, I, I don't know, I'm looking at the pictures right now. I, I'd say it's a stretch. Oh, you are? Yeah, I'd say it's a stretch. Well, in 2003 or so, Hillary Clinton referred to Bush as, as the Alfred E. Newman in the White House. Remember that? Nope. Yeah, she did. Anything I else on your mind tonight? Serious question for you guys. Yes, Jake. Um, you know, I'm here. You know, in, in uh, you know this corrupt state of Illinois. Sorry about that. And uh, and I talk to people about freedom. You know, and it's like I'm talking to people that can't see and hear and don't want to. We will get to your question in your moments. Hang on, dude. 800-259-9231. More with Jake and your calls as well about whatever you want. Dial in. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Live, you can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by learning how to promote the show. Go to promote freetalklive.com. Get a list of things that are mostly completely free ways for you to get this show into more ears around the country, around the world. All the details at promote.freetalklive.com. Back to your phone calls about what you want. And we go back to Jake in Illinois. Jake, you had just begun to uh, get into a question, so go ahead and uh, give that another shot. Okay. Well, like I said, I had another serious question for you. 
Uh, here in Illinois, I've seen like uh, libertarian talk show uh, hosts get squatted down, squatted down one right after the other. Um, and squatted down no how? I'm, I'm curious. What do you mean by that? Squatted down. Uh, lose their jobs oh, okay. because they were a libertarian and gotcha. they're against taxation. And so the powers that be got them fired. Understood. And um, uh, anyway, this, uh, this so one uh, talk show host, Ro Khan, here in the Chicago area, you've probably heard of him, maybe you haven't, I don't know. Uh, but he seems to be very, very anti, uh, you know, free market and uh, libertarian. And he said, if, like, the libertarians were, you know, wanting things, everything would be like Pottersville, you know, and it's a wonderful life. You know, it'd be, everything would be Pottersville. Because yeah. Be, Where is Pottersville? No I, 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 don't, I don't know what that means. Pottersville doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, have you seen The Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart? Uh, I've, seen, I, I've seen it, but I always feel ripped off whenever I get uh, black and white movies. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, Pottersville was a place that that uh, turned into like um, a, a bizarre happenings. There was no controls, chaos, all, all this stuff. I see. I see. Right. The fear tactics. And um, and this is what he said. Um, and I, usually, I, I I talk to people about those issues. Uh, one thing: have you have you guys ever heard of a fellow named Daniel Burnham? I've not. No. I guess um, no one else has either. I think I have. Wayne maybe has. What about him? In Chicago area, uh, Wayne? I think so, Daniel yes. Burnham? Yes, I think I've heard of him. What did he do what about um, him? Any, anyway, uh, this is what I want to ask you, and this is, this is the crunch of the, of the, of the uh, question. Um, this is why I want, I want you guys to help me explain to people, because I really I don't have a good answer for this. Uh, Daniel Burnham was a person that saved the Chicago lakefront, okay, from, from the corporations that wanted to put uh, their factories uh, uh, spewing out waste into Lake Michigan. Um, Daniel Burnham was in Chicago, in the Chicago area. Was a person that uh, got together with a bunch of other people in government and saved the lakefront. They they claimed the lakefront for the people of Chicago. And so, like for instance, all along the lakefront in Chicago, you have beautiful parks and beaches, as opposed to, for instance, Milwaukee. If you go to Milwaukee's uh, lakefront, you'll see a bunch of factories going in, into the water, and mm-hmm. and it's it's all very ugly. And so, uh, what I'd like you to tell me is uh, the answer to these people. That, you know, they say well, we don't need government, we don't need the federal government. What is the answer to the Daniel Burnham question of, of, of a guy that was in government and saved the lakefront from commercial enterprises? The answer, I mean, the concern here that I'm hearing from you is, what about the environment? What about the uh, the beautiful lakes? What about the the forests? What about the uh, the air that we breathe? These are the sorts of questions. That's and the the view too. I mean, views views people people really like views, yeah. and they're not theirs. The answer is private property uh, all the way. And to give you more detail, uh, Dr. Mary Rohrart has written an excellent book called Healing Our World, and I think she does a fine job of addressing this. But to give you you know sort of the short version. Uh, basically, the idea would be that if every piece of property was privately owned, 
then water and land. Yeah, every piece of property privately owned, then each individual private property owner would be able to decide for themselves what to do. You would have uh, conservancies, like there's the Nature Conservancy today that purchases private property, swaths of land that they believe are need to be protected, and they protect them. So if somebody wants to protect a lake, they should buy the lake and the property surrounding the lake, and then they can dole it out to whomever, whomever it is that they deem appropriate to to selling it to with whatever contract uh, clauses they need to in order to protect it on into uh, the, to the future into perpetuity. So the private property can solve all of these problems. Also, you know, building a bunch of, of big, uh, dirty factories on a lake that does that violates the two basic laws because you basically if you're building that you're aggressing against the neighboring properties. If so, you're polluting, yeah. If you're polluting now. If, even if you build something really big where people behind you can't see anymore and, and you've given them an eyesore, I, I suppose that could also be deemed uh, aggressing. Yeah, it's a slippery slope, though. Yeah. Your thoughts? Well, Wayne, let me ask you something. Um, this has actually happened. I mean, I'm not talking about hypothetical. I'm talking about things that have actually happened. And in, in Milwaukee, the, the, they had, you know, three property rights. The factories bought out the land along the lakes. And if you go through the Milwaukee area, you'll see these, these ugly factors, uh, factories spewing out uh, their pollutants in the lake, in the lake and in the air all along the lakefront. And the fact is, in Chicago, that's not happening because of government. Now, I'm not for government. Yeah, see, I would dispute the fact that Milwaukee had free property rights. And in, in fact, many times when that happens, it's usually the industrialists in bed with government to buy up all the properties because they usually have to buy up quite a bit of property or, or they have to uh, foreclose on people or do whatever they have to do to, to get all that property along a certain area, stretch, to, to build these things. So... I'm not, I don't totally buy the fact that it was it was a it was free market and there was well, free property. You, you there. don't think that like a large a large companies have the power to buy uh, land along uh, along lakes. But, but the, the thing is, is our tort system protects uh, you know the, currently the way the court system goes. It's bent towards the rich. All you have to do is look at the OJ uh, trial to realize that that's, that was the case. Um, you know, I mean, rich people win and poor people lose. So they know that they're going to get away with dumping whatever they want to dump so it affects other people in, in you know, various ways. So now, how is city planning, uh, like, for instance, in, in, in uh, organizing the, the uh, city and, and its parks and, and, and lakes and beaches – how is that done without the, uh, without the government? It's done who, spontaneously. Who, who planned for Disney World to be there? I mean, which politician said that, uh, Walt Disney, you're going to build right here in this middle of this phosphate mine in Kissimmee, Florida, which is nothing, you know, nothing but a dug-up swamp. You're going to build the, the, the biggest theme park the world has ever seen that's going to change the face of the planet. Who to, which politician told him that? Yeah, that's, it's, that stuff just happens spontaneously in the marketplace. So, I mean, for instance, a new neighborhood could go up, and a portion of that neighborhood could be a neighborhood park for the people, people like in that parks. neighborhood. Too. People demand parks um, for their lives, and the, the, the market does not fail to deliver to, for people. I, del- I, I lived in a development in Florida where we had our own parks. We had, we had everything right there in the development. Uh, the kids could walk to school, and that nature was, walks with yeah. uh, you know wooden wooden uh, little walkways and stuff. And that was the developer who who wanted this this de- this housing development to be appealing to families. Because so, people eat that stuff up. Yes, they, they love do. The woodsy you know outdoors kind of uh, feel. Yeah, and, and the other thing is you have to look at the year that this stuff happened in Milwaukee too, because 
there's always more stupid money chasing these things when when you have a fiat currency, when you don't have honest money, when you have an honest money system, the resources are more limited, and people, even industrialists, can't do these types of things as easily. I'd like to give a real-life example of private resource ownership or private natural resource ownership. Uh, and it's my favorite one to give because I've you know, personally experienced this. I was looking at uh, purchasing property down in Sarasota, Florida, and one of the houses that I was looking at backed up against a small lake. Very, you know, relatively small lake. Maybe there were 10 or 12 houses that were around the lake. And uh, the owner was telling me that this lake was 100% privately owned, that each homeowner essentially owned, if you could imagine, a pie piece of the lake. And that didn't mean that you had to stay in that one pie piece when you went out on your little dinghy. You could use the whole lake because each of the owners had kind of an interlocking agreement with and one another. because that, you owned it, you were able to pipe your sewer directly into your pie piece no. <laughs> and pollute everybody else's, right? No, Well, I mean, for not. God's sakes, wouldn't it be cheaper for you to pump it in there and not have to pay for sewage? The rules on this lake... I mean, you're a dirty, dirty industrialist. <laughs> you're going to pump your poo into the lake. The rules on this lake were so strict that there was, the owner told me that that at one point there was some construction going on in the neighborhood, and the construction workers came out with a little dinghy to go and do some fishing in the lake, and one of the owners of the properties came out back there and said, hey, you can't be on that lake without permission. Mm -hmm. And they kicked these guys off the lake. So, I mean, the fact is, if what you have is private property ownership, there will be people that are actively protecting their private property. And if they go to sell their property in the lake or whatever it is we're talking about, they can include provisions in the sales contract that says, you know, you need to continue... This, these provisions on into perpetuity. And so if we just let people make their own decisions for themselves and let the market decide, will there end up being a few people with companies on the back of a lake somewhere? Maybe, but there will be other lakes that are in pristine condition. It's up to you as the private property owner to protect those things. Thank you for the call. More coming up. Hour two's on three. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 800-259-9231. So we launch here in hour number three of the program. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their website. Ours is free, so enjoy that on us over at freetalklive.com. We continue with your phone calls about what you want, starting with OJ listening in Nebraska. OJ, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, evening, guys. Hey, what's hey. on your mind tonight? Well, uh, I've called before, and I figured that uh, you know I'm I'm a police officer. Yes. Uh, and I figured that you might want to ask me some questions. Oh, are you in re- are you referencing the fact that the police prosecutor here in Keene, New Hampshire, is coming after me for allegedly uh, sending uh, apparently for what they call criminal liability for conduct of another? Is that what you're calling it? Wow. Uh, no, I hadn't actually heard of that. I was just talking about it in general. Oh, well, okay. Um, Any questions for O.J. the police officer? So, O.J., um, there's been some, uh, some, some a row on the, uh, the Free Talk Live BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com about sort of how one can be a liberty-oriented v- individual and be on a police force. And then 
uh, it's you know this the the person in question is Officer Liberty, and he hasn't called in recently, but he wants to be a SWAT team member too. Do you think you can respect Liberty in any way? Um, like you can be of any value to uh, you know the fight for freedom by being on the SWAT team? Oh, I think there you can be of some value. Tell me about I, that value. Well, I think we can we can all agree on the uh, the non-aggression principle. Yes. Um, and that it also is important to protect people from aggression initiated against them. Uh, there are those out there uh, that that will do so, uh, and I'm speaking here of of criminals, of, of violent people uh, who will assault other people, rob them, uh, commit rapes and things of that nature. Um, and these these people will they, they don't restrict their violence just to the everyday people. Absolutely. Not. Uh they will react violently to the police as well. Oh sure. Um it it makes sense if you're going to overcome that sort of violence uh that you're going to have to have a greater potential for violence at least. And that's where where SWAT comes in. Well, I think that it's through superior firepower. But if, if SWAT is doing a raid on somebody who's got hostages, that makes sense. I'm all in favor of that, and that's why uh, why SWAT was brought about, I believe, in the early '80s in the first place, but was I to think deal if, with those hostage violent situations like that. But it, it seems think, to me they're used 90% of the time for drugs. Right, 99% of the time, it would seem to me that they're being used for drugs, and and I I would agree with you that we do need SWAT for something, you know, something like that. However, it it's a very rare instance, and I believe it's 50,000 uh, raids a year that the uh, that SWAT does. And I, I can't imagine that too many of those are, um, you know, some some dastardly criminal holed up in a house with, uh, you know, some little girl and her puppy uh, with a gun <laughs> held to their head. Most of them are done against, you know, people for the drug war kind of thing. And the SWAT member doesn't have the choice as to whether, oh, sorry, this one's for drugs, fellas. I'm going to have to sit it out. I don't believe in that. I believe in the non-aggression principle. Well, maybe they do have the choice. What if they what if they were to Very choose that? Unlikely. OJ, what if a SWAT team member were to say, yeah, that's okay, guys, I'll pass on this one because it's a drug raid. Would they be able to get away with that? Uh, well, I, I, would, I would imagine they could uh, get away with it uh, in terms of not going to jail for it. Yeah, they'd live. Um, they, okay. they, would all, they would certainly be off of the, the SWAT, the SWAT team, team, I'm sure, uh, and quite possibly uh, face some discipline uh, within the department. So uh, if for, if they for not obeying an order, if they then do what they're you know what they have to do in order to stay on the SWAT team, so they they do the raids ninety eight times out of a hundred, they do some kind of drug raid and uh, you know violate the non aggression principle in doing so. Then those two times out of a hundred, are they really worth having there? If they're going to violate ninety eight times out of a hundred and help two times out of a hundred, are they a net gain to liberty? Um, and then I have another, I have a, a sort of follow-up question, the way that I decided to defend SWAT. Go ahead. I, I think in terms of is it worth it uh, for, you know, a net 2% of the time, uh, most likely not. Uh, I, I think that's something that every every police officer is going to have to decide for themselves uh, whether the the downside 
of the things that you don't want to do yeah. uh, makes up for the upside of the things that you do want to do. You know, if you're a, if you're an officer in a squad car and you're patrolling the streets, at least then you've got the discretion and in most cases as to how to handle each individual uh, scene. And right. so if you come across some kids in a car with a bag of marijuana, you know, you could confiscate the marijuana but not arrest the kids. You can make those decisions, uh, but if you're on a SWAT team, you follow the orders, you go in, you kick in the doors, you destroy people's lives, like you because said, Mark, 98 other, times out of 100. There's other officers watching, your superiors are there, you don't have any choices. If you're, you know, if you're on the beat, you say to yourself, when no one is going to know, I'm going to let everybody who has marijuana of less than an ounce or less than, uh, you know, a pound or, or less than whatever amount you decide, go. Um, in the same way, you could not pull over people for not stopping at stop signs and other things like that. I'm not going to go after people for any drug whatsoever. Yeah. You, know, you can make your own decisions as a police officer, as long as that person hasn't hurt someone. There's another officer that listens to the show who says that he goes after, he does use drug offenses against somebody who has committed a violent crime or a theft crime, and I don't have a big problem with that, him piling on these additional charges. Barry Cooper called him corrupt, and I think that that's not really building bridges, but that's Barry Cooper's gig, not mine. So, <laughs> well, as a, think- uh, Go ahead. Um, um, I've, I've got a follow-up to it. Go ahead. I think you've got to you've got to look at it. And you've got to ask yourself one one very important question uh, when you're talking about the the drug war and uh, with with drug charges specifically, especially possession charges. And that is how are the police even going to be aware uh, that that this person is possessing drugs? Uh, this could come about in a number of ways. Um, it it comes about as that other officer mentioned. Uh, someone is arrested for another crime. Uh, they get searched after after arrest, you know, before you put them in the car. Mm-hmm. And at that point, these items are found. That's one way. Uh, another way is uh, via a, a search, either Terry by back. a warrant or uh, consent, or one of the other exceptions of the search warrant requirement. Um, the the searches are almost always initiated by the officer. You know, one way or another, um, if you're not initiating those searches, uh, you're not going to find those things. Yeah. Um, and uh, another way is just plain view. Um, that that can happen if you know the officer's just being observant uh, during his contact with people, or and there's a discretionary element there. But one thing that you may not be considering is. You're talking about the officer in, in a patrol car. Mm-hmm. He's driving around. He gets called to things. Sure. Uh, the dispatcher calls him and says, we have a report of this at this location. And you go there and you investigate. When you have that report, that, that is a complaint. And you are obligated to investigate that complaint. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go overboard, but it has to be within a reasonable range of diligence. Um I've gone on calls before where, um, you know, somebody reported a smell of marijuana coming from, you know, an apartment hallway. Yeah. Um, oh, jeez. What'd you do? And well, there's there's two things, two no questions that arise the there once you get there, and one of them is, uh, can you smell marijuana? Mm-hmm. And the other one is, can you tell where it's coming from? And you couldn't, right? <laughs> well, a lot of times I can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very good. Hey, I've got one more now, question what, for what, you. I've got to follow yeah. up with the, uh, okay. the, the sort of – now, I, what my one thought on this uh, – you know, I'm trying to protect the, uh, the SWAT officers, uh, you know, the idea that uh, it would be better to have a liberty-minded individual on a SWAT team. And I've, I have to really, really stretch for this one. But, like, suppose a liberty-minded individual says, I'm not going to shoot anyone's dog. That has, seems to happen with a lot of these SWAT um, scenarios. They come in, they shoot the dog yeah, right off gonna the bat. It's just going to ruin someone's life. That's um, and it's, it, really, it really sucks. I mean, you do it right in front of the, they do it right in front of the kids. They, you know, they kill their dog. It's, it's awful. And sometimes it's not even the right house. I suppose that they could say, I'm never going to shoot a dog. I don't care if it even looks like it's going to bite me. I'm never going to shoot a dog. I suppose that that's a step towards liberty, but it's about the best thing that you that's, can get. Yeah, you are but scraping, dude. You could have the dog shooters um, have his slot instead. You're scraping. Hey, OJ, can you hang on for another question sure. or two? Hang on. Sure. More with OJ. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. If you've got a question for him, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And if you've got a question for OJ the Cop, he is on the line with us here. I also want to tell you that AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type FTL for the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off with the offer code FTL, like Free Talk Live. That's FTL offer code at AdamEve.com for 50% off of one item. Hell of a deal. Uh, don't forget FreeTalkLive.com. Lots of features uh, there, all free. Shroud of Female listeners included the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Go to Shrine.FreeTalkLive.com to see what that's all about as we go back to OJ. OJ, who is a law enforcement officer in uh, Nebraska, it's, uh, you've been you've called the show a handful of times. Always interesting to have the uh, the opinion or the perspective of somebody who's on the inside of that particular bureaucracy. And you'd basically just called uh, t- tonight to open yourself up for questions. And so we've been asking a handful of questions here. And I had a couple that uh, that I wanted to get to. Uh, number one, OJ, have you joined law enforcement against prohibition? Yes. And now, have you joined openly or anonymously? Uh, anonymously. Now, did you hear the story we talked about last night on the program, Mark? You had a story about how a, a LEAP member was punished by the department that he worked for. What, wasn't he fired? Was that what the story he was? He was fired, yeah. He was fired by that department and has been reinstated and uh, essentially given an over $800,000 settlement because he was wrongfully terminated based on his uh, his political viewpoint. Is it, am I essentially recapping that correctly? Yep. So the, the eight hundred and something thousand dollars. So the news is that you can come out of the closet as a law enforcement against prohibition member, and if anybody tries to do anything to you as far as in in your job or or punishing you in some way, there's a good chance you could get that overturned and possibly even walk away with a settlement. Does that change your? Uh, does that affect at all your decision to remain anonymous, or would you consider? coming out of the closet oh i i imagine at some point i i will uh at some point before retirement yes <laughs> okay that's great well, that's good enough whenever whenever you feel comfortable i'm sure the the folks over at law enforcement against prohibition will be absolutely ha- happy uh pleased as punch to have a new active duty law enforcement against prohibition member because it's such a great group uh but unfortunately it's mostly made up of former cops retired police and they're really only one or two or maybe three uh, actual on-duty cops involved with LEAP, and we need more. We really do. So if you can be number three or four, then I think that would be super. 
I have well, a question. I, I think you're going to see a lot more of that uh, as the the social and political climate changes. Um, right now, it's it's still pretty hostile uh, towards um, you know even marijuana legalization. Mm. Uh, in some areas more than others. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends. Uh, I mean, if you're talking about regular people versus cops, a lot of regular people are absolutely in favor of the idea, specifically of medical marijuana, but even standard legalization tends to get some pretty big numbers in, in polling results. But I could see that there's a real uh, there's a real, cool, a real political chill on whether or not officers can come out in favor of such things. Oh, there, there is. Um, and, I mean, you, you can talk about there. There's a difference between... Um, you know, talking to you can you can say just about anything to other officers, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it's not a big thing, and and I do uh, quite frequently. You know, every, one of my favorite tricks, if you want to call it a trick, is I will I will ask somebody who's been been a cop for a few years. Um, you know, how many wrestling matches have you had with uh, with drunks? <laughs> and it'll be in the dozens already, you yeah. know, even in a few years. How many wrestling matches have you had with potheads? And they stop and they think about it. And mm. just all of a sudden, you just see the light dawning uh, because most of the time, that answer is zero. That's a great uh, approach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I have a question for you. I didn't mean to sure. interrupt you. How do you feel about uh, the future now potential for more violent crime based on the economy starting to, to deteriorate. Have you thought about that much, or have you planned for that much? Because it seems like some of the other extraneous, more unnecessary laws may go by the wayside for a while, as far as enforcement goes, when you've got your average Joe out there trying to rob his neighbor. Shoplifting he, is up. Yeah, shoplifting is way up. How do you feel about all that? Well, I I think we're, we're in for some rough times. I think uh, the actual crimes against persons and property are going to increase. Uh, if if the economy does tank and or even get significantly worse, and I'm of the opinion that it probably will, um, you're you're always going to have those people that uh, they they don't hold themselves to to very high moral standards, and it is very situational. You know, for those people for whom it is situational, um, you know, when when they're outgo exceeds their income uh they they will turn to to crime if we could re uh reappropriate those police officers that are currently working narcotics 100 percent of the time to actually working real crimes it would be a real step in the right direction i think let's go to the phones uh we've got a lady listener on the line wants to talk to you oj jagoda in california you're on free talk live with oj the cop hello you are on with oj go ahead uh hi um well, my boyfriend has this roommate, and, well, he used to be his roommate, but until about, uh, you know, just uh, the end of December, his lease was up, and um, he just recently got arrested because he uh, he sold to somebody, like, a car with a, with a stolen engine on it. Hmm. And now um, he got, you know, the police got a warrant to go and raid, uh, like, his mom's house and everything because... I guess they went to his house, his mom's house, before they went to, you know, to check out, like, my boyfriend's uh, house where he used to live at. And I'm wondering if they're going to try to go see, because he's still, I guess he's still on the lease, so maybe if they might go and raid my boyfriend's house where he used to live at. My boyfriend has, like, about some weed growing in his closet, but Uh-oh. it's only, like, two plants. 
Well, it doesn't really matter to them how many plants it is. But they're looking for an engine. What you're saying is the warrant is going to be for the search warrant's going to be for a car engine, um, but he's got marijuana plants in the closet? Yeah, my boyfriend's got the marijuana plants, but in case, what if they come in and try to search, you know, my friend, his roommate's house, or I mean his house with his roommate to see if he's got any more stolen parts around that area? Well, it's it's going to depend on uh, what the what, what they're authorized to search for uh, in the warrant. Mm-hmm. Um, presuming you know, presuming they're authorized for, to search for car parts. Yeah, for, yes. for car parts, some some car parts can be fairly small. Uh, if if it's strictly for an engine, but I presume they've already found the engine. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's already because uh, the guy he sold it to, he's the one that went to the police about it. So what would happen if they came in there through the uh, the closet doors open, OJ? Well, it, if if the warrant specifies that they're they're looking for an engine, you know, a passenger car engine, and uh, they're they're looking in a closet. Uh, I haven't seen too many in- engines that'll fit in a closet, and that that can certainly get suppressed at court. Uh, Isn't the normal protocol, though, I mean, to just essentially confiscate, but they can't bring up charges because that's not what they were looking for? Well, I don't know about that. I, I think if you have contraband, I think they have to, they will charge. They have to seize it. But uh, it, it's not going to go anywhere. They, they probably will also charge, but uh, the, the charges either aren't going to get filed. Or if they are filed, they can be challenged uh, based on suppressing the evidence. OJ, thanks for the expertise tonight. Always appreciate hearing from you and any other law enforcement officers that take the time to call in with their perspective. Thank you, and thank you, Jagoda, for the call. More coming up. You can take control. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. All of the features are totally free. Wolfman Wayne tonight, it sounds like. <laughs> I went to talk and nothing came out. <laughs> so uh, so head on over to freetalklive.com and enjoy all that stuff. We give it away, including updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. And get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. We continue with your phone calls. Jason in California, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jason. Hello, calling from the financial black hole of the country. Oh, yes. Uh, What's on your mind, dude? Um, uh, the pardon is coming up a lot because Bush is stepping down. And um, I want to talk about how trivialized it's become. Um, you know, when you look at the Constitution, and I know the general feeling about it amongst some of you, uh, it's one of the ultimate powers the executive has. There is no uh, check from the other branches against it, much like the Congress has the power of the purse and the, the courts have the power of the Constitution, constitutionality. Okay. Um, and I'm just, what do you, how do you guys feel about the fact that the pardon has become so trivialized? Uh, You read about some of the pardons that were done early on in American history where it was like the legislature would pass laws, the president would veto it, and then the legislation would override the veto, and then the president would say, okay, fine, they're pardoned. Like he would just issue blanket amnesties 
to people, much like uh, Jackson did after the Civil War. Um, I think didn't Carter do that for draft dodgers? And Jackson stuff? Civil sure. War. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm sorry, Andrew. Um, sorry, Andrew. Uh, Johnson. 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 Okay. Sorry, got my J's messed up. Gotcha. That that uh, makes sense. That, that makes sense. Uh, Andrew Johnson issued huge amnesties to Confederates and politicians and such, even to the Lincoln conspirators, uh, the people who, like, planned the assassination. And then, you know, you had, I'm pretty sure it was Carter who uh, issued a blanket amnesty to all draft dodgers for the Vietnam War. Um, and it was kind of like the ultimate uh, thumbing your nose at the legislation, which I think is kind of what the Constitution wanted it to be, Yeah. Uh, to, to the to say, no, you just can't write laws willy-nilly. I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not going to enforce it. And now it's like, you know, President Bush, like, pardoned a vampire. It's like, really? That's uh, Right, and they always do it. And by the way, we're going to have to pot you down here because we're getting a really weird talkback problem. Thank you for that, board up. They always do the pardons these days at the very end of their term. So the president will never pardon. Well, they're pardon. bought and paid for. I mean, at the end of their term when they can't lose anything When they're a lame duck. Right, but they're the very lamest of ducks. They, uh, they, they, you know, the the people that have uh, donated to campaigns or managed to, you know, their give them jobs yeah. or you know whatever the back scratching and log rolling has occurred, then here comes these. You know, dozens or sometimes, you know, hundreds maybe. I don't know how many there are. I did not see under the Clinton administration. He certainly uh, paved the way for this. And it is trivialized in the sense that it's bought and paid for. But this is really the problem with unchecked power. He, uh, you know, the, the caller said that it was it was unchecked power, and it is. Oh, if and they that's were using, the problem. If they were using it for good, like he was uh, earlier talking about, to combat bad laws, that would be fantastic. I mean, but in this case, he's just using it to refer- – uh, they're just using the pardon to uh, reward their friends. And that's what, like you say, it's what politics is all about. Hey, thank you for the call tonight, dude. Really appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You know, I'd like to point I out... I wish I knew who to write or send some... You know, I don't want to send any money because it's not that important to me to get um, pardoned. But I wish I knew how to write to to get myself a pardon. That'd be now, real can, nice. Can the president pardon state uh, Sure state they criminals? can. Absolutely. Okay. Well, pardon anyone in the um, the country. I I was not aware of that, um, and the reason I was not aware of that is because when I was reading Harry Brown's book, Why Government Doesn't Work, which was uh, Harry Brown, the Libertarian Party presidential candidate from 1996 and 2000, one of the most I think influential uh, thinkers in my life, but he was talking about what he would do on his first day in office if if. You elected Harry Brown. This is what he would do. And one of the things he mentioned was that before he broke for lunch, he would pardon every single federal uh, federal nonviolent drug offender. And he made the point that it was that he could only do it federally. So I'm not sure if you're right about that, Mark. I, I don't know. It doesn't know. make any sense to me, but okay. Um, if somebody with more expertise should uh, should call and clarify that. But they it's they definitely have control over the federal prisons. And wouldn't that be amazing? To elect somebody who actually cared enough, who was actually compassionate enough to release every single peaceful drug offender sitting currently rotting in federal prison, that that alone was a reason to vote for Harry Brown. I mean, it was an amazing statement to make. I don't think any uh, – certainly the, the current libertarian candidate had no similar statements that he was making, nothing radical at all. Harry said he'd go in and he'd tear pages out of the Federal Register and uh, you know pardon all these people, order the troops home from the, over the 700 bases around the world, and then he'd break then for lunch. lunch. Yep. <laughs> yep. It was nice. just an awesome, uh, awesome viewpoint, and we've never heard anything like that since. What about political prisoners? 
plenty of those in jail, too. Sure. I, mean, I think he probably would pardon anybody who's nonviolent and peaceful. I think that uh, you could count on Michael Bednark, who was the candidate in 2004. You could have counted on him to do the yeah. same. Uh, you know, he, he was a man whose stand was as good as Harry Brown. Perhaps not the, uh, the, the, the articulate, motivating speaker. And I'm not saying he's not an articulate, motivating speaker, because I think he's really great when he speaks. And I, whenever I get a chance, I go and see him. But, you know, Harry Brown's Harry Brown, right? 1-800-259-9231. We go to Chris in Virginia. Chris, you are on Free Talk Live. Chris? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Here. Doing uh, great. What's on your mind? Yeah, first time calling in, and uh, I've been kind of making a, a short list here of things that I, I kind of want to challenge you guys on. Okay, welcome. Go ahead. Um, yeah, thank you. The, the private property makes a better environment uh, point. That it you is tried a to tough one. Earlier. Yeah. Um, I mean – from my personal experience, I used to be in the military, and uh, I've been in some situations where there were areas of the globe where there is no government present or no government which has any sort of power to enforce any sort of laws, particularly the Middle East, Afghanistan, Iraq. And as far as the environmental quality is concerned there, it's very poor. But at the same time, um, in places where you have command economies like China, the government the quality is also very poor um right. good point do you have any sort of any 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 ideal uh between the two i mean you can say that that too much government causes a bad environment we can definitely say that you can look at the smog in beijing and say that very easily but you can say that too little government causes a bad environment because their educational quality also is very poor in iraq well, so people didn't know that they couldn't use uh nuclear drums as drinking cisterns. I, I see that one. Um, the, the, the fact is that in order to have the environment situation work in a, in a libertarian word, what, world, whether you're talking about a small government situation or no government situation, um, you need to have a good system of arbitration or a torts or whatever. Um, you know, but the way that a damaged party can go and get damages from the, uh, the offending party. And to believe that and Iraq it, had a good court system. Right. Or, it's obvious, it's no obviously rule, no not No rule true. of law whatsoever there. And it's not true in the United States. States either. The fact is the court systems are largely inaccessible because it costs so much to go get an attorney. It costs so much to, uh, you know, do things that people, uh, you know, inside the court system, that people just don't do it. It's a heck of a lot easier to let it go. Now, if people could go easily and bring their uh, complaints before an arbiter rather than having to file long, arduous motions, Your Honor, we, you know, bring this before you on 2000, you know, the year of our Lord, 2000. Right, right. I, I understand what you guys are saying, but wouldn't that be a free market principle to allow the people that are accessed into the legal system to take a uh, take take something back for their time. I mean, how are you going to pay those people who are who are schooled in the system? Uh, it, how are you going to pay those guys? Wait, I don't, do I don't know if I understand the people, the arbiters. Well, yeah, the, the arbiters, the lawyers, the people, the people Loser who. Pays. I mean, if, you, if you know that you if you know that you have a problem and you know that you need to go to the legal system. Mm-hmm. There's definitely going to have to be a system in place and people who are educated in that system. So aren't those people 
uh, do for, for just comp, uh, sure you know, they compensation. Are. They're providing services in the marketplace, and they'll be paid by the loser. If you go in and you take somebody to, to arbitration in a free market scenario and you lose, then you're going to be liable for all of the bills. You're going to have to pay for the arbitrator. You're going to have to pay for the uh, the, the other party That could work bills. in a regular government situation, it too. Could, yeah, that's it true. It still could, help. They could do loser pays today, and it would make a big difference. I'm going to bring you back if you got more. Hang on. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. Uh, and and uh, I want to come back to the issue of the Middle Eastern countries he was talking about, to hold them up as paragons of small government. I think we need to look at that. Uh, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Just enough time for your call if you make it now. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support the show, well, you can do so by shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you need to buy used, new, 41 categories, free super saver shipping on a whole lot of items. Get your shopping done and feel good because you're helping Free Talk Live at the same time if you shop through Amazon.freetalklive.com. And by the way, I also want to invite you to the Liberty Forum. It's coming up in early March, the 5th through the 8th at Nashua, New Hampshire's beautiful Crown Plaza Hotel. Same place it was last year. Uh, it's going to be even bigger and better this time with uh, big names like Glenn Jacobs, WWE's Kane. Uh, he will be there speaking. Dr. Mary Ruart, the author of Healing Our World. John Taylor Gatto, former uh, New York State Teacher of the Year, now turned to the Liberty Movement and against state education. He'll be there. Richard Heller from the Heller versus D.C. gun case over uh, the summer of 2008. He's a Free State Project member, as is Glenn Jacobs. All those folks and more will be speaking. There will be panel discussions. There will be networking, socializing, libating. It is a blast and highly recommend that you attend. You can also save yourself 10% on the price by using our discount code when you register. 2009FTL is the code. 2009FTL. And go get all the details and get registered at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. We'll see you there. We'll be broadcasting live. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. So we go back to Chris calling from Virginia. Chris uh, making the point that uh, from his observations, there are places with what you termed relatively small governments like certain Middle Eastern countries uh, versus larger governments like China. And you say that you've seen uh, you observed that there are pollution problems in both places. And you're saying, well, is there a midpoint? Is there some sort of level of government that is optimum to have in order to allegedly protect the environment? And you, what you were going back uh, and referencing was a conversation we had. Uh, we had, a, I guess, earlier about uh, the idea of government protecting the environment. Can it do that? Is it, is it the best steward for the environment? And there are a couple points I wanted to make, and we'll let you get back on to what, what it was you were going to say. Uh, but number one, no, the government is not a good steward of the environment, as we've seen. And as Dr. Ruart points out in her book, Healing Our World, what the government has an incentive to do is actually allow companies to lease government lands and then trash them. Whether it's clear-cutting them or polluting them or whatever, the government land managers don't have the same incentives as private owners do, and so they don't care if a company comes in and pollutes. Right. Um, Government's course, largest polluters in the world. We've also, no, we should also mention the military, which is the largest polluter of all of the government agencies, just polluting a ton all over the world. 
And uh, plus, to hold up smaller countries, uh, you know, Middle Eastern or maybe African countries as being paragons of small government is not really accurate. Uh, while their GDP, uh, GDP may be smaller and the governments may be taking in less money, that doesn't mean that they're any less restrictive or that they're any less controlling of the, ele- the business elements right. if or you try private to, interests. If you try to go after uh, you know, some particular private interest uh, that has control of the land that's more sanctioned by the government than you are, you're going to have a heck of a time. Hey, that guy over there that, uh, you know, the the sheik is... polluting the land and, and now I can't grow crops. Yeah. I want I need damages. You're not going to get anywhere with that and I don't care how little governments in that country. Chris, your thoughts? Well, well guys, um I I would say that you had a valid point except um <clears throat> my time in Iraq and Afghanistan were times when there was not minimal government or an overreaching government, but there was in fact no government. It was a complete uh complete situation of anarchy. Um talking like directly after the invasion uh, overthrow of the government, and there, there was really nothing, nothing to stop people from from doing whatever right. they want. Right, and want. there's there's no civilization there either because there's people with guns running amok. And I can't make uh, recommendations for what things should would be like in Iraq. I can't. I, I I want freedom for the people of Iraq. However, the way to get that isn't by bringing in a bunch of men with bombs and guns in order to give it to them. Um, I can only really talk about the United States because I have enough knowledge of how things are here. I don't recommend bringing freedom to the United States with a with with B-52s dropping carpet bombing the place. That's not going to bring freedom to anybody, right. and it's not right. going to bring justice, guys, and it's not going to bring an orderly anything. We've got civilization now. I would like to see a peaceful, orderly move towards smaller government, personally. Um, and I think that I do think that at some point in the you know the evolution of of government that we could get to a point where there was no coercive government, but I don't think that's today. Any other thoughts, Chris? Uh, I, uh, <laughs> next list. <laughs> next on the list. Call us again got, some other time. Got me at the moment. If you want to go to the next call, Thank you. Well, I'll we will. Back. Thank you. Thanks for the permission. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. 800-259-9231. So, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about a situation where a country's been devastated by war... That's a whole different scenario than people coming to the conclusion that government involvement in their lives is unnecessary and that we should move toward a more voluntary society and create the new structures that are necessary to ensure private property rights are protected. Uh, if you have true private property, you will have people that want to protect beautiful plots of land, and there will be people that you know are, are going to uh, you know, possibly still pollute. However, if they do pollute... And they pollute your property, or they pollute your air, or whatever. Uh, they pollute the water behind your house. You've got a case, and you can take those people to arbitration, and they'll lose if you can prove your case. And if they lose, that means that they're going to have to absorb the costs of the, going to that case into the cost of doing business, which means their prices will probably have to go up, or they'll have to cut their profits, meaning that uh, their business model will be harmed as a result of that. So businesses in a free market situation where there's true private property rights and liability for harming others' property would be, very, uh, would be more cautious, I would think, about polluting other people's property, because they know that if they would get caught, then their butt would be on the line, as opposed to sometimes what they do now is if a company gets caught up in polluting and the government comes in and tries to do something about it, well, they'll get fined, but the fine goes to the government. It doesn't go to the victims. It doesn't go to make anybody whole. It just right. goes right. to the EPA right. or something. I used to live in uh, Sarasota, Florida, right next to a area in Televast, Florida, very, very close to this area that had some kind of borine or bromine or something like that, that, that some big spill. And 
the the pe- the people had been you know adversely affected. I don't know how much they were adversely affected, whether they just wanted to check or whatever it was. But the company had gone out of business. Kukunk, what are you going to do? Well, the company's out of business. The people who did the dumping, the people who were responsible for this, they they're not responsible anymore because. They were incorporated, and the government protected them. They managed to use a government, uh, you know, file folder called a corporation to protect themselves from their actions. That's the problem. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one to the amp line. Dennis in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. So the other day, a guy called in from some other state, and he was saying how cool it was when he drove into New Hampshire and the sign said, common sense for all about the seatbelts as opposed to we're going to threaten you. Yes. Well, um, one of the porcupine legislators is asking for help and pointing out that a particular bill is not uh, needs, needs to be opposed. Here in New Hampshire, there is a bill that in one fell swoop would prohibit the use of cell phones, prohibit writing text messages, um, prohibit while riding a motor vehicle while holding an animal on your lap. Wow. Um, stupid, stupid. Oh, and, and requiring headlight when the windshield wipers are in use. In other <laughs> words, a Massachusettsization. Huh. And so fortunately, this behemoth, this awful evil thing has not even been scheduled yet. Like, you know, there, there's no hearing yet. We, you know, the crack bill review team has, has broken the lid on this. So if anybody in New Hampshire who phones their rep and says, hey, what the hell are you people doing? Um, and asking that they not pass that, now's a good time to poison the air on this thing. Okay. I'm not sure how that's relevant to our national audience, but uh, there are. <laughs> it's not. Well, it's, it's, it, I guess it's just a, an example that you cannot take for granted that things will stay free without things like working against them. And nobody's got their eye on everything except probably at one place. Well, likely um, the what, the other thing that national people, uh, you know, the national listeners would realize is, holy crap, nobody's doing this in my state. Nobody's yeah, keeping an eye on these kind of things in my state. It, and, yeah, is there a California yeah, and, Liberty and when Alliance? Your, when you call your representative, are they going to be, you know, some schmo down the street, someone that you literally could walk over there and say, hey, what the hell are you doing? Yep. Um, you know, and their kid is going to answer the phone half the time. I mean, it's it, it absolutely. You know, true. I've made those calls, and that's absolutely what it's happens. absolutely what happens. You're There's 400 these... reps in the, the state of New Hampshire. Hampshire. That's and they like get one paid a hundred bucks. What, it's five, seven, five, six, seven thousand people. And they get paid a hundred dollars a year. So, or is it two hundred now? It's two hundred. Uh, Dennis is two hundred. It, it's a hundred a year. It always 100. was. It's, it, it, it was it's two hundred uh, for the biennium, and they only used to meet once. They oh, need I to go see. back to that. Yeah, they do need to go back to meeting once. I think that who's going to put that bill forward? That's what we need to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure someone will. Yeah, well, and, but, and I thank you for making that more relevant, because how many other places in this country have the equivalent of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which is a group that you're involved with that takes all of the legislation that the legislators are looking at put, putting forth and essentially goes through and says, okay, this is pro-liberty, this is not, here's what you need to do, get out there, get active on these. And its members in the legislature. There, there's that, too. And, uh, Dennis, thanks for the, doing the great job out there. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thanks for the call tonight. It's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. We will join you tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com.
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 